just been, God has just been loving on me today here, and I just want to relax and sit in the front row and, and uh, let God love on me. Not to mention that when pastor speaks, there's something, isn't there something about his voice, the compassion, the mercy, the warmth that just makes you want to sit in a, uh, wouldn't it be great to just forget Sunday, Sunday afternoon football, but just have him come over and talk to you while you're sitting in the recliner? Not saying that he's boring, but that would be a great way to fall asleep, wouldn't it? Just, 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 there's something about your voice, Pastor, that when you speak, but it's, it's more than how his voice is, the timbre of his voice, the sound of his voice. It's the heart that comes out of his voice that just makes you just feel the love of God. And, and Pastor and Eunice, we just, Christine and I just love you, and we love it when we can come here, and we're so grateful that, that God made that other guy cancel so that we could be here this weekend. And, ah. Uh, <sighs> Happy V-Day. I shouldn't say V-Day because it sounds a lot like D-Day. But anyone who's been married long enough knows that V-Day, oftentimes, a uh, relationship can become a lot like D-Day. And I won't ask for any raised hands or bowed heads or anything like that. But uh, sometimes love is just so much more than just kisses and hugs. And uh, it's about going through the struggle together. That's what makes us so endeared to each other, the struggle that we go with together. And some of you are probably thinking, um, Valentine's Day on a Sunday, what a drag. We like when it happens on Friday. We can go out on a date or whatever. But I think, I think Valentine's Day and Sunday go together perfectly. And this is why. First um, John chapter 4 is a great chapter. And I would suggest reading that entire chapter today sometime. Because Valentine's Day is kind of like love day, right? And I, when it comes to love, I, I, I said last night we need to have a love revolution because in revolution, you notice the words in revolution are E-V-O-L. Uh, you turn up, that's love backwards, and we've got love backwards. We, we need to have a revolution to change love back around to what love really means. So the problem is, is we watch so much television. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, my wife watches a lot of it, so I have to because I'm her husband, you know, and so I sit and watch her. I have no problem with watching TV, and I have no problem with listening to the radio. I enjoy listening to the radio, and, and I, I love media. I'm a visual person. I, I love going to movies and all that. T- I mean, I, I love all that stuff. Um, but the problem is not all that stuff. When, when they, talk, they talk about so much about love, but they're just broken so oftentimes. They don't know what love really is, okay? Over 50% of our marriages end in divorce. That wasn't the original intent of love, and it wasn't a matter of, of checking each other out and having sexual intercourse before marriage because it's it, it just all messed up, and we got love backwards. We need to start a revolution to bring love back to where it was in the beginning, and I'll tell you where it was in the beginning because in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 16, it says, God is love. So if you're going to have a love day, what better day than to celebrate it? Start it off with celebrating it in church, which should be a house of love. Amen? That almost sounds weird to some people because of what we think love actually means. And we've, we've got love all wrong. But listen, this says God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. We live in God and God lives in us when we take up a life of love. Now, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we used to have this song when I was growing up in church. Beloved, let us love one another. I know Eunice knows this one. For love is of God. And Christine said, you're not going to make me go up there and sing that today, are you? I said, no, I'm not. This is my wife. Everyone say hi to my wife. This is better. Christine, in fact, would you please stand up so everyone doesn't think I'm such a loser? Huh? Yeah, marry up. I'm going to talk about marry up today. That's the key. Guys, there is hope for you. Fall in love with Jesus and pray really hard. I don't know what sin she committed, but I don't really care. She's mine now, and that's the way I like it. 
For everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, clap, 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 knoweth not God, for God is love. This is what another translation, the message, I love reading from the message. The message just takes all these scriptures that I've read all these years and just makes them alive because it's a brand new version. It's written in, in today's current English. And I, and I just love this translation because I, a lot of times I'll read something and go, what was that? Wow, I never read that before. And I go back to the translation I'm used to and I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Listen to what it says in the, in the message translation. It says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from, what do you think? God. Everyone, someone say everyone. Do you have the person next to you say he's talking about you right now, so listen up. Do you have the person right next to you and say, give me $500 right now? God said so. It says, everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. Everyone who loves. Everyone who loves is born of God. And experiences a relationship with God. So we talk about this personal relationship with God, but according to what I just read right here, to have a relationship with God, you have to have a life of. Why would that be? Because God is love, right? We talked last night that love isn't about getting, it's about giving. Okay? Jesus himself didn't come to get, but to give. It says that in Matthew 20, verse 28. Everyone who, who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. So why sometimes are people that go to church some of the honest, nastiest people in the world? They don't get it. It's not about going to church. Church doesn't make you a Christian. Love does. Right? When we live a life of love, that's how we prove it. That's how people want this thing that, that we have. And if they don't want it, then we don't got the right thing. Someone say, ask you got it? Get it? Got it? Good. Let it roll. All right. Because God is love, so you can't know him if you don't love. You can't know God if you don't know love because God is love. This is how, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Understand, God hates sin because the damage it does to our relationship with him. He doesn't hate sin just because he hates sin, and when we sin, that means he hates us. No, he hates sin because of what sin does to us and through us. Talk about V-Day, it just messes us up. It's like D-Day, sin just, God can handle your sin, he's God. I got news for you. He already handled your sin. The Bible says when he was on the cross, he took my sin upon him. Every sin I have ever committed, he already took upon him. He handled it already. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. He took my sin on him, and while my sin, my ugly sin was on him, he said, forgive him, Father. I've already been forgiven by God. I just have to realize that. God can handle sin, but he can't handle shame. You know why this is what shame does? The reason why God hates sin is because what it does to us. The moment we sin against someone or against him, what do we do? We turn our backs from him and we, we can't look him in the eye because we're just ashamed. And God says, I already forgave you of that. Just come here. It's already done. I already paid that price. I already died for that. I already paid for that. You ever have life when life was just, just good? I remember when I graduated from, from college and I was so excited and, and we had backpacks. Remember back then when you didn't even need a backpack until you went to college? Remember? You know when you go to school and didn't even have a backpack? My kids now, 
Seven, nine, and 14 all carry backpacks. My seven-year-old, the school has my seven-year-old carry a backpack to school. What is wrong with this picture? And these backpacks, they shouldn't call them backpacks. They should call them butt packs. They don't wear them on their back. They wear them all the way down here. Probably to cover up their, their boxer shorts from their pants hanging so down, Ren. Pants hanging down, pants hanging down. Looking like a fool with your pants hanging down. So they put a backpack on. Now they got the backpack. How, how long can they make those straps? Are they hanging down there by their ankles? Well, I know why, man. They put so many books in those things that how in the world are you supposed to carry that thing around? How many students here, you don't realize how heavy the backpack is until you get home and take it off, and then you go, oh, that's what my back feels like, right? I remember when I graduated from college, I was just so excited and so alive and so thinking, "Woo! I got my backpack. I'm ready to go. My backpack was empty. I had the world in front of me. I had no idea what the world was about to do to me. You know, you, you, just, you just live life normally, and then all of a sudden you get hit out of, the, out of the blue by something that you weren't expecting. These are actual real-life insurance reports that people filled out. The worst part about getting in an accident is having to fill out the report. It's not that you totaled your car and got backlash and are in rehab with a PT, personal trainer, or physical torture, whatever you want to call it, right? It's you have to fill that stupid report out where they ask you dumb questions. Well, these people obviously had had enough. I got this from Ann Landers. and um, Well, not her personally, but it was in the newspaper. So these are some reports that people filled out about their accidents. This guy said, the other car collided mine with mine without giving warning of its intentions. This person said, I thought my window was down, but found it was up when I put my hand through it. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. <laughs> we don't need an insurance adjuster here. We need, we need a, a counselor. The guy was all over the place. I had to swerve a number of times before I could hit him. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> Babe, I don't think that one's funny at all, actually. I don't even know why that's in here. Some other person put it in there. I'm just reading it. I'm not laughing at all at that one. The accident occurred when I was attempting to bring my car out of a skid by steering it into the other vehicle. I was driving my car out of the driveway in the usual manner when it was struck by the other guy in the same place it had been struck several times before. I was on my way to the doctors with rear end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. I'll leave. I will just move on. As I approach, I don't want to move on, but I'm going to. As I approached the intersection, a stop sign suddenly appeared in a place where no stop sign had ever appeared before. I was unable to stop in time to avoid the accident. The telephone pole was approaching fast. I was attempting to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. To avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front, I struck the pedestrian. I saw the slow-moving, sad-faced old gentleman as he bounced off the hood of my car. <laughs> Funny, but wrong. Sometimes you're living life, you don't ask for an accident. That's why it's an accident. You don't wake up one day and I just expect my life to... I just had the world. I was going to fill this bag with all sorts of dreams. 
And then I had to get a job. So that's okay. I got a job. I'll carry this around. It's not, not too bad. Got my laptop in there. It's still got plenty of room for dreams. They can fit into my job. They can fit. My career will be my, my dream. Can, with my, oh, that would be great. So I lived a little bit longer, a couple more minutes or so. Man, life is good. Backpack's a little bit heavy, but I can still do most of the stuff I would normally do. I'm, I'm still feeling pretty light, but, but, but then, then something, something else happens, and I'm, I'm told about this responsibility that I have, and I'm, I come out of high school. I'm not used to a lot of responsibility. I thought I was, but I had no idea, and so I just have to take, carry this thing around for a little bit. And then something tragic happens in my life. It's really big, and something really tragic happens, and so I got to put that in there, which is okay. I can handle it. It's no big deal. But then I get laid off, or I lose my job. That's pretty, pretty big. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Thing after thing in life hits me pretty soon. I don't have a whole lot of room to put stuff in my backpack. And the thing is, this happens all so casually and over such a long period of time that I, I don't have to really, I don't really even notice how heavy it is until I just walk through life and pretty soon I'm not bouncing anymore. I'm not Tigger anymore, I'm Eeyore. My dreams begin to, um, they, I don't have, I really don't have a whole lot of times to, 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 to think about my dream because I'm more concerned about carrying all this stuff around. I, I wasn't planning on thinking about all this stuff. I had no idea that that accident of life was going to hit me so hard. And so now I've got to go to my, my physical therapist and I've got to have them, I've, I've got to, I, I just can't, I'm just doing the best I can, Okay. With what I've been given, I just don't have a whole lot. And sometimes, you know, this is what it means to be set free. When Jesus shows up on a Sunday morning or on a, on a Friday night at Revolution or just in your own room at night, in your car, he shows up and he does this. Like at the end of the day when you take that backpack, ooh, I've only carried that around for about a minute or two, but I already felt a difference. And sometimes we carry this heavy load around for so long that we forget what it's like when it's not there anymore. I think I need to sing a song to you today about dreams. And what this has to do with, with Valentine's Day, in my opinion, and the, the day of love, is this song actually compares dreams to a lover that you think is there, but she ends up leaving. And I think anyone who's lived long enough can probably relate to the symbolism that this song talks about, and I think I'm supposed to sing it. Go ahead, Chris. For a moment, you can barely breathe. 
wondering what she Was she standing in my room? But she's not Cause she's gone, 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 gone. When you're dreaming with a broken heart the hardest part She takes you in with her lion eyes Then all at once you have to say goodbye Wondering could you stay right here Would you stay by my side But you won't Cause she's gone Gone, 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 gone And sometimes That's the way it is with dreams You have this great dream And then life takes over And pretty soon you're so full of carrying around All the cares, concerns Now you're a mother, you're a father You've got children you got to worry about You've got grades you don't have to worry about anymore, but you've got a job you got to worry about. You've got people in your life that, that drain you, that just literally are heavy upon you. And you're trying your best to live your life for God. You're trying your best to dream, but it's kind of hard to dream when your life is full of all the other garbage. How do you do it? Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hand? I have to fall asleep with roses in my hands? Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hands? Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hands? Would you get them if I sang today is what made me decide I'm going to sing this song because one of the worship songs talked about the dream and talk about dancing in the barren land. Do you understand something? This part is part of the dream process. When Joseph had a dream, it sent him to prison. He was accused of being a raper and a fornicator, an adulterer. He was a slave for how many years? Was it like 13 years or so, Joseph? Could you imagine him sitting in the... Said, God, all I did was dream. All I did was obey you, and I ended up here? 
It's part of the process. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear forth fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. And life isn't easy sometimes. We get hit out of the blue by some car that get, keeps hitting us in the same spot that we got hit in before. And after a while, you just don't have the strength to deal with the stupid dents anymore. Why buy a new car? We're just going to get banged up again. I got news for you. You're going to get in an accident. Things in life begin to happen. That's why God is love. That's why at the end of the day, he says here, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest for your souls. Life was meant to be handled with God. You're his creation. He is your father. Whether you acknowledge the fact that he's your father or not, he wants to be your father because he wants to help you. When my boys come home at the end of the day, the backpacks come off and they go flying across the floor. And if not, mom and dad say, let me take your backpack for you. Because he wants to relieve you. And I'll tell you, I will tell you, what this ugly thing was for me. I've never been saved from much. I mean, I've been, my whole life, I mean, I was born one day and I was chewing on the pew the next. Teeth in church. Man, underneath those pews, you could see all sorts of bubblegum constellations. You don't have pews here. There's a reason it's called a pew. You got nice, comfy seats, but we didn't. Oh, no, we had hard wooden pews. But the good news is about that is if like you get bored in church and you get a pew to yourself. They have the big long side there. You put your feet up against that. You can see how far you could slide down that pew. I've never been saved from, I've had a pretty sheltered life. Never been saved from um, drugs or alcohol or anything like that. I took NyQuil once. But it wasn't until this last year that God had showed me what all this was in my life. My whole life I've been insecure, and I could give you many reasons why I'm insecure. I, I have a right to be insecure. Someone say, you have a right. Yes, I do. I don't want to go into all the reasons. I don't want to play pity me party, but I could give you all the reasons why I'm insecure, and they're decent, legit reasons. But God, does God want me to live insecure? I had no idea how heavy this thing was until he set me free just in this last year from this thing. 47 years old, I'm thinking, you couldn't have set me free sooner than this? And truth is, this thing was so difficult. It's the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life. If he would have tried to set me free from it sooner, it would have destroyed me. So God in his love and his mercy and his grace allowed me to go to school, allowed me to go through my thing, so when it was time, he could set me free. And yet sometimes we're so tired of life hitting us this way that we get angry with God. And God's like, I will deliver you when it's time to be delivered. Keep coming to me, and I will give you rest for your souls. But deliverance is more than just feeling good in a service on, on a Sunday morning. Deliverance is something that you have to learn how to walk in. Someone say amen. And that's what God wants to do. He says, if we don't love we can't know God. I, I made a couple CDs out there. Last year, I think I had one. I don't remember if I had both of them or not. Last year was part one. 
I brought part two, part one, because God has, has said, Steve, I want you to find creative ways to get the message out, so this is what I do. I, I put together a couple CDs that one is on the importance of hearing God's voice, why we have got to get God's perspective. That's how we can survive all struggles by getting God's perspective. God, what do you think about my situation? And when you get that, you will be at peace. The problem is we don't know how to hear God's voice. I ask believers all the time, so what's God been telling you? And usually they can't tell me. It's usually something very general. Well, he's telling me that he's loved me, that it's going to be okay. But what's God been telling you specifically? And a lot of times we don't know anymore what God's voice even sounds like. We want pastor to tell us. There's nothing wrong with that. But God wants it to be a personal relationship. Well, you, no relationship is better than its communication. So I put together um, a CD number two that talks about here are some ways how to hear God's voice. And the importance of hearing God's voice. So the two go together. I sell them for one for 10. I'll sell them two for 17. If you can't afford that, then tell me what you can't afford. I gave a bunch away. I gave some away free last time I was here because people couldn't afford anything. The point is to try to get the message to you. And if, if we can help put food on my table, well, I'm okay with that. But if you can't afford it and you want the message, then come back there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Forget all that garbage. We all need help here and there. So come back and we'll give you a CD. It's important that we understand God and know God. Amen. If we don't know God and understand his voice, how in the world can he set us free? He's trying to talk to us all the time, but we don't know or hear him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments there. He's talking about what he's telling you today. What does God want you to do today? Who does he want you to love today? Our lives are like great big huge bathtubs. We are vessels. The larger the vessel, the more you can put in it. Right? Nothing like a good old hot tub. Someone say amen to that. Someone say, God, God, I love you if you just give me a hot tub. Right? But the bigger the vessel, the more you can put in it. But the problem with the bathtub is that all the water was made to stay in it. God doesn't fill you so you can keep it. He fills you with love and deliverance and peace so that you can give it. Remember, I said last night, love is not about getting. It's about giving. It's not, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many to be a Christian, if, if you don't love, you don't know God. And love isn't about giving, it's about getting. Giving is the bathtub. And for a bathtub to work, you have to put down the stopper. You ever tried it without one of those? I travel all the places, and sometimes you try to take wet washcloths or something to try to, you, you, you got to stop that water somehow. But we're supposed to be a vessel. Bill Cosby says whether a glass is half full or half empty depends on whether you're pouring or receiving whether you're pouring or drinking, right? We get it wrong. We come because we want to be filled up so we can feel all good and warm inside. But you know what? That hot bath turns into a cold bath pretty soon. If we unstop it, then all that love that God gives us begins to pour into other people, and now they can be set free. To encourage somebody means to pour courage into somebody. And if we encourage each other more, I bet, you know what happens with encouragement? When I get encouragement, this happens. Ooh, you probably didn't feel that because it's my burden, not yours. But man, if we could carry each other's burdens just for a little while, for a half hour, if we could carry each other's shoes, walk in each other's shoes, carry each other's burdens, we'd be completely different. When I'm encouraged, I had my wife pray for me beforehand because I was, I was struggling with something. And, and she says, you're going to be fine. What? She prayed for me. She said, God has always pulled, let you, never let you down. You're going to be, and all of a sudden, whew. to pour courage into means to take discouragement out of. 
when my pack is full, I can't carry your burdens. In the Bible, when the Romans, they, they were in charge at the time, and they could command a Jew to carry their burden for one mile. If they're tired of carrying something, they could just grab a Jew from anywhere and just say, you come with me, now you carry my backpack. And he'd have to do it for a mile. Jesus came along and said, if he asked you to carry for a mile, then carry it two miles, just show him. But how can I carry your backpack if mine is full? I can't. How can I love if my backpack is full? I can't. It's the thing that stops me. I can't carry your burden when mine is full. This is why I've got to get God to set me free. This is why I've got to learn how to hear his voice. This is why I've got to get what God's perspective is. What's mine is mine. Well, give it to him. Give it to him and he will set you free. When you begin to serve, your dreams begin to come back to you. When you begin to encourage somebody, they begin to encourage you. We begin to, I think our job is to change each other's countenance. If we could just change somebody's countenance, how hard is that? Dude, nice pink shirt. Right? If we can just speak a, a word of encouragement to somebody, man, you begin to change their countenance. You begin to unload their backpack a little bit. We were made to help other people. God gives so that we will give. And God gives us what he gives us is so pure because he wants it to be given to other people. And when you become a vessel like that, you become like a straw, like a garden hose. You stick one end into him and the other end into wherever he wants you to go. We've got all this crud inside of us. The water comes out dirty. Who wants it? But when God makes us clean and we connect with him and then he pours us wherever he wants to pour us, dude, you want to talk about making a difference. That's what our dreams are all about, changing people's lives. But for me, it was my insecurity. I was kind of proud of my insecurity. I like being insecure. He's a good companion. He'd always let me cry on his shoulder. Insecurity would always come alongside me and comfort me when I needed it. Oh, you poor thing. If they just understood you. I thought insecurity is way better than pride. Pride's all about yourself. It's people that are proud. I don't trust someone who acts like, act like they have their act together. Hello? All I know is the longer I live, the least I got my act. I had my act together when my backpack was ice when I graduated from college. I had my life together then. But a few books later, I no longer had my life together. Right? You got your act together, praise God for you, but I don't believe it. I think you're faking yourself out and trying to fake us out right along with it. Well, I don't believe it. We all struggle. We're human. We're weak. Someone say amen. Israel means he who struggles, wrestles with God. God gave him that name, Israel. You will wrestle. You will struggle. So those guys are all proud, and then the ones that are egotistical, I don't want to be like them. And then God began to show me that insecurity was pride. When I'm insecure, who am I thinking about? Everything comes through the, the goggles of me. How's he treating me? I can't serve you when I'm insecure. I can't do it. Insecurity stopped me from loving my wife, the one who's easiest for me to love. It stopped me from loving my wife. You know why? I said this a little bit last night, but I never really got into it. But the insecurity was the thing that stopped me. And to get it out of my life, I really had to go through some serious garbage to get it out. When we first got married, I'd buy my wife flowers. Or I'd give her a word of encouragement. Right? And then, because I was insecure, I waited to see what her response was like to determine whether I would do it again or not. 
I didn't do that at first, but I'd give her flowers. If she didn't respond how I would respond, then I'd either say, wow, I guess that doesn't work, or I'd go, fine, if she doesn't like flowers, I'm just not going to give her flowers anymore. Truth is, she loved the flowers. Who doesn't like those acts? But she wasn't vocal like me. She's the dude in our relationship. <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know how women need like 10,000 words a day? It's my fault. She only needs 13 or so. And she usually spends them on her kids before I even get home. I remember one time after saying something encouraging to her, I went, what, what was that? Okay, I remember one time um, I was, <laughs> I had said something to my wife or I had, had done something. I can't even remember what it was right now, but I was on this walk with God going, God, I just wish that she would respond this way. I just wish she would say this. I just wish she'd do that. I was just whining and complaining because I was looking through my glasses of insecurity. And God said to me, Steve, why did you do that for her in the first place? So that she would love you back? Or did you just do it because you just wanted to love her? Boy, that stung me pretty hard. Because I realized my love was selfish. I was loving to get something back. Right? I love you. I love you. An insecure person will just keep going until they get a response back. When God set me free from insecurity, it freaked my wife out. I remember thinking, go buy her some flowers. And I thought, I can't go buy her flowers. She doesn't like flowers. And then God spoke in my head and said, what woman doesn't like to get flowers? Even some men like it. Who doesn't like encouragement? Go get her flowers. I was more concerned about how she was going to respond to me. So I just started serving her. I just started blessing her. I just started telling her what I felt. And I didn't care how she responded to me anymore. She's like, Steve, I'm not saying this is wrong, but you're kind of freaking me out a little bit. You've never been like this, even when we were first married. And I said, you know what, babe? I've never been free like this. When we were first married, I tried doing this, but my insecurity stopped me. Because it wasn't about you, it was about me. So I'd love you, and if you didn't respond back, I would just go back into my shell, and I would never do that again. And pretty soon, all my options were gone, and we just lived life together. And when I was set free from my insecurity, it was like the plug was pulled out from this bathtub, and all that God had filled me with began to flow out on people now. I still struggle with insecurity. Who doesn't? We all do. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 or 9, somewhere there, it says, you know, in verse 7, Paul is talking there and he says, I had this handicap. And he said, I begged God three times to remove this handicap from me. For me, that was insecurity. I had this insecurity and I begged God, God, take this insecurity away from me. Just take it away. Because at one point, he did set me free. He set me free immediately and I just didn't care anymore. Woo, my count has changed. My backpack was empty. But later on, the tests begin to come. I was like, God, I thought you set me free. Then why am I still struggling with this thing? The thoughts that would just bombard my brain, and they were so real. My th those thoughts were so real, they could say, your, your hand is green, and I'd believe it. There were thoughts like, they don't love you. She doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. They don't like you. That's why they never have you back. <laughs> right? In my insecurity, I saw things all wrong. As soon as I threw something out there, it came back to me because I had to look through these glasses of my insecurity and I'd do something, but I'd wait to see how you respond to me. When I'm set free from insecurity, I do it. I don't care how you respond. The people that are, that are insecure can never truly love because it always comes back to them. Love that has an agenda is not love at all. It's manipulation. And I'm so tired of that whole phrase that I used to believe. You go to conferences and they would tell you, your, your husband, they would, they would tell you, sex starts in the morning. I'm thinking, all right, bring it on. 
What they meant by that was you have to start loving on your wife in the morning and love on her all day and send her texts and, and, and send her notes and let her know you're thinking about her and be nice to her instead of just being rude and in your own world and start blessing your wife all day long. And then at night, she'll be ready to, to have sex with you. And I believe that garbage. There's some truth to that. We're supposed to be loving and sensitive as men. We're supposed to be gentle men. We're supposed to love on our wives and serve our wives. But I don't do it to get something about, from it later. My wife said to me one time, she says, I feel like you just serve me to get something from me. Ouch. That's not love. That's love with an agenda. And love with an agenda is not love. It's manipulation. Self, whether it's pride or whether it's insecurity, is the love stopper. You can never truly love somebody when all you're thinking about is yourself. That's why God wants you to be free. He said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. Well, then why is it so hard to be a believer? Because we're not carrying his burden, his yoke. We're carrying ours. God will say something, all of a sudden, we'll, we'll, we'll begin to worry, and we'll struggle with the very thing God told us instead of just saying, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'll tell you what love is. Love is not loving somebody when they're nice to you. That's amiable, but that's not love. Love isn't loving somebody when, when you're getting your back rubbed. Love is loving somebody when they've hurt your feelings, when they've cut you deep. Love is serving no matter what. That's what love is. It's serving in the midst of the hurt. And that's why sometimes when something happens in our life, we get so angry at God. True love is, okay, God, I don't get this, but I'm going to serve you anyway. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know what that word means, delight? It means to be soft. God, I'm hurt. I don't know what's going on. But I love you. That's love. I've had God apologize to me before. I'm sorry for hurting your feelings, but I didn't see the whole picture. The struggle is part of the whole process. It's part of the dream. It's got to die. Struggle doesn't mean God hates you. It actually means the opposite. It actually means that God is pleased with you. When he disciplines those he loves, he disciplines his children. And there shall be light. <laughs> Insecurity and pride will be the things. Self is what stops you from truly serving and truly loving. And self has got to be shown a lesson. And that comes by saying, God, I'm tired of being insecure. I give this insecurity to you. On a regular basis, whenever it comes into my mind, I say, God, I give it to you. God, this fear, I give it to you. God, this anger, I give it to you. Why am I so angry? God, I give it to you. And I don't just try to get out of my life. I don't try to push security away. What I try to do is embrace the handicap, to embrace my weakness and say, yeah, I'm insecure. Help me to do this thing right. Wow. God doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just asks you to be patient. Trust him. When I was praying for you, I felt like God gave me two words that I needed to share with you right now. The one word is trickle charge. When your battery runs out, there's two ways to charge it up on your car. You can do the really quick charge to get started right away, but that doesn't really fully charge a battery. It charges it enough to start it, and you think you're charged up, but you're not. You, you're not, and so you keep running out of juice, and you keep dying, and you keep wondering why 
you can't keep up with this thing, but your life is, you keep doing this and keep charging up really fast at night, then you keep wondering why you're short with people and wondering why you're ang- agitated, wondering why you're angry, yada, 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 so on and so forth, right? You keep worrying about all that, and then, and then you, you, the reason why you're worrying about that is because you're not really charged. And so you're hard on yourself now because you're being this person that you don't want to be, and you can't figure out what the whole thing is, and now you're adding more burden on that God isn't adding on you. If you find out what God is saying to you, And God will say to you, you know, if you're finding out what God's perspective is, if you're finding this out, then all of a sudden God will say to you, I didn't say that to you. But we, what happens is we we get all this stuff and then we start owning it ourselves and I shouldn't be this mean person. Whatever happened to me? How come I got all this burden? How come I have all this, all this stuff? It's because you have never sat down and really fully charged and let God just charge you and get away for a day. Or when you're driving home, you say, God, this time is yours, but we keep trying to charge really quick so we can keep going and we hide. Our insecurities hide behind this. We're like, inside, we're like Kramer on Seinfeld. We're always going, going. It's America. We got to go, and we're hiding something. We're afraid to just come and lay bare before God because we're afraid we don't want to look at ourselves. But when we do, and God tells us, oh, I love that about you. It takes everything. You don't have to fix it. God will. So some of you are on a constant trickle charge, and that's why you struggle with the things that you struggle with. And secondly... I feel like God told me that you're spinning your wheels. And you know why you're spinning your wheels? Because you've lost your tread. You've lost your tread. And how does a car lose its tread? Well, if it's a teenager, it's because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing in the car. Spinning the wheels and everything and flooring it. But most tread is lost just by living life, just by driving, just by doing what you're supposed to do. And after a while, it begins to lose its tread. And so things that normally didn't bother you, you're getting stuck on now. Things that normally you would move forward, now you're just spinning your wheels. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand up in the air. Because you've lived life for so long, and you're like, this never used to bother me. Why does it bother me now? Because you've lost all your tread, because you've lived life. You've done what God has wanted you to do, and you've worn yourself out. You've got to allow God to take out the chisel and begin to gouge away some of those areas of our lives and put that tread back into that tire. Does that make sense? You've got to allow God to retread you. And that means allowing him, for me to be free from the insecurity like he set me free, I had to be retreaded. He did some serious cutting away of me. And boy, it didn't feel good. But it sure does now. It sure does now. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone, someone say everyone. Who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Stop focusing on this and focus on this. God doesn't bless you on Sunday so that you can keep coming back and keep getting blessed on Sunday. He blesses you on Sunday because there's a place you're going to go eat lunch on Sunday afternoon. You should be the best tippers out there. You should be the kindest people out there. And if you're not, it's time to come back to God and say, God, I need a charge. Retread me. Don't let your stupid insecurity get in the way. Give it to him. Embrace your weakness and allow him to fix you. You are broken. Do you have the person next to you and say he's talking about you? You are broken. It's okay. It's, someone say, it's okay. It's okay. For God chose the foolish things of this world. And he chose the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God uses brokenness to bring wholeness. 
Wholeness is simply, this is a quote, wholeness is brokenness realized and thereby healed. Wholeness is brokenness realized and thereby healed. Don't think you have to be the person for God to love. God just loves you in the midst of all your ugliness. Isn't that awesome? I rarely ever tell my boys, I love you and you're a good boy in, in sentences right back beside each other. You know why? Because I don't want my boys to think I love them because they're good. I want my boys to know I love them no matter how they behave. I will love them, but I'm proud of them when they're good. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Close your eyes for a second. Or imagine with me, eyes closed or open, I don't care. And what is that stopper inside you? Ask God to reveal what is it that stops you from loving other people? What is it that stops you from, from being vulnerable to other people? What is it that stops you? Has it been past hurt? Has it been, has it been anger? Has it, what is it? And when God reveals that to you, I want you to give it to him by simply saying, God, I give this to you. Teach me to love. Teach me to give my life away. I want to know you. Help me to love myself the way you love me. Because that's what God wants. One therapist said, I'm only three pills away from liking myself. Well, you know what? You don't have to take a pill to like yourself. You can take God instead, and he will teach you to like yourself, and that is the best place in the world because those people are free. When my backpack is free, I can help you carry your burden.